Hello, Just Sports fans, and hope y'all are having a good day today, no matter what time of the day you're listening to. And then we're going to talk about the NCAA Top 10 uh, before the conference tournaments get started here. And so College Hoops is getting heated up, and we're here to talk about it. So what I want to do in this episode is talk about my Top 10 teams before going into the conference tournaments. So we'll spend a little time talking about which conferences have automatic bids and what that means. But before we get into that exciting part, let's talk a little bit about court storming, okay? So I want to talk a little bit about this because I've had the privilege of being a part of court storming as a student, uh, and I have been a part of court storming as a coach on an opposing team, too. So I feel like I can speak a little bit to both perspectives here. So first, let me speak on it from a student perspective. It's an experience like no other. If you if you've never been a part of it, uh, it's it's uh, it's hard to relate to because you know you're rooting for a team, and typically in my past anyway with this is you're rooting for something that's probably never happened in the history of your team or something that's extremely extremely rare. Uh, and I'll also speak on that point in a minute uh, about why that's important, but. It's an experience like no others, and to be there, to be celebrating around the players, like basically right after the moment that it happened, uh, you you don't get it really in most other sports. There's a feeling of being a part of the magic that just happened on the court right after that moment. And when you've been cheering all night and you're trying to help distract the other team and throw off the other team, and you go to that school every day, especially if you're on campus, it really does make you feel a part of it all. And I think that's the great thing about it. Uh, obviously the bad, bad thing about it, you know, is, and again, I don't think students are necessarily thinking this, but it is, it is crowded. People are rushing down from stands. It can be chaotic. It can be dangerous. Um, I know I've gotten a little bit hurt, uh, bruised or whatever, um, from that, but all in all, it's such a magical part and such a magical experience to have that happen. If you, if you've never had, uh, been a part of that. So I totally get it. Um, now, as an opposing coach, it's like being in a cave that is falling in around you and you can't leave yet. You're looking for the out, hoping it won't be blocked by students or students whom you can't really touch or move. And same for your players. And so, you you know, it, it really kind of can create this sense of claustrophobia, this anxiety, this no escape, this, you know, fear of getting hurt, that kind of stuff. And you know, that causes anybody to kick into their flight and fight, which can really be detrimental to the, not only themselves, but people around them as well. Um, and again, like, you know, you don't want the opposing team's player and coaches having to touch or move people because that's just all kinds of problems with that. Um, and, you know, the worst part for coaches, assistant coaches is, you know, if the if that play comes down to the last second play and you've got your players on the other side of the court away from your tunnel away from your bench uh you know you're you're sitting there and you're hoping that someone at that school has got your back and is making a clear path for you but you're in enemy territory and they don't give two cents about you you're you're on your own at least that's the case a lot of times and at least that's the feeling of it and it's kind of scary you know especially if you're a coach and you know you're kind of responsible for those kids uh players and you know then you're trying to take it upon yourself because there's really nobody else to help you out. And you're trying to get, you know, move the crowd and get your players out of there safely. And it's just, you know, from coaches and administrators perspectives, I can see why it's something that 
you know, is just very, very hard to deal with. So my takeaway is this. First off, I do think it has gotten out of hand. And there has been way too many times that fans are storming the court when it's not a game that, in my opinion, has warranted that action. I mean, we've seen in-conference teams. So, you know, say like, you know, an ACC team versus an ACC team, even if it's somebody like Louisville this year who's at at the very bottom, you know, take on and, and, you know, beat a North Carolina, beat a Duke. And then they're storming the court. And it's like you, you play this team you know, what, two times every year, uh, you know, you know them well, it's not a time to storm the court. It's not. Like, even in Louisville history, it's not like you haven't ever beat Duke. So what, what do you – and I'm not saying Louisville did this. I'm just using two teams as an example. But, like, why, why are you doing this? You know, and as somebody, again, who's experienced on both sides, I'm like, why are we rushing the court here? That makes no sense. So – you know, there needs to be some perspective put back into that. Of course, I'm not exactly sure how you go about convincing students not to rush to court when it's not a moment that, you know, needs that or warrants that. Uh, but I would, that said, I would hate to see stork Corming get banned across the board completely to where it's taken out of college basketball. But we do need some controls in the arenas to make sure the visiting team gets out safely. The priority has to be on that. and. There are some teams that do this successfully, and I've actually seen like two games this year. I, I wish I could remember the two teams or two games with the four teams that I was watching, but um, I know there was one in particular where uh, they looked like they were getting ready for it. They had extra security coming down or coming out of the tunnels around the two tunnel areas, and they looked like they had a rope that was prepared. Um, and they were right there kind of on the edge of the court. They had additional security going to the closest sections, getting ready to, to you know, probably tell those groups that they can't come down until they say so yet. Um, probably telling them about the rope and that, you know, they don't want any injuries, things like that. I don't know if they did a PA announcement, but they I would imagine probably during like a timeout or something they did. Uh, but as I was watching it unfold, the areas right behind the benches of the teams did not come out. Um, the ropes, the security was running the ropes across part of the court closest to the scores table, the uh, visiting team and the, and the uh, home team as well. And then it had additional security in front of the rope where the students were rushing and making sure that nobody was coming in there around there. Uh, and they handled it very, very well. And this this was a game that, uh, you know, could have like was getting pretty close to coming down to the last shot, too. So it wasn't as if, you know nobody expected it to happen. Like they, they had this in place for this kind of scenario, which I thought was really good. And so I hope that, you know, when we're talking about these controls and people are talking about banning, that they can really look at this and the conference commissioners and the conference boards and all this can really just, just make college uh, teams and schools really put this into place, you know, these plans in place and, and be ready to activate them uh, at any time a game might happen like this. So I, I think it, I think we should definitely try that first before just outright banning. And then, of course, if that can't be followed and teams don't do well, then yes, then maybe it has to be banned. But I'd like to see that happen first. Um, I feel that with many incidences in the last couple of years that we may 
have seen the end of the course, uh, end of storming for the most part. I'm I'm not sure every conference would ban it unless the NCAA gets behind it too. But even then, I'm not sure with the NCAA kind of losing power. Uh, I'm not really sure, you know, if all conferences would indeed ban it. But I, I could see some of the conferences doing away with it. But you know, I just hope that we can find that compromise, like I was saying, and keep that tradition in college basketball. But speaking of traditions, how about starting a new one and listening to Just Sports Podcast every episode? If you already started that tradition, I thank you very much and would like to have you comment on our Facebook page, Just Sports with John. Now, as is tradition in college basketball, conference tournaments are coming up, so let's get you up to speed about automatic bids. Conferences with automatic bids for the NCAA tournament. So in case you don't know, an automatic bid means that the team that wins the conference tournament, no matter the record, get to automatically go to the NCAA tournament, which is the national tournament that includes teams from all conferences. There are 32 conferences in the NCAA, and all of them have an automatic bid. The committee, uh, so there's a committee that will get together, and they will decide and select the other 36 teams that will get into the tournament. There's always some exceptions, uh, like sometimes a team will transfer to a different conference or they'll move up. Uh, from division like two to one, and then they may win a conference tournament, but they wouldn't be eligible to go into NCAA tournament and so forth and so on. But those are those very rarely happen, uh, and that's just something that you you know you stay tuned and and see. But yep, thirty two conferences all get an automatic bid, and the committee will select the other thirty six teams that will get into the tournament. Uh, so with that being said, the top 10 rankings are as follows, starting at number 10, Kansas. Now, I really struggled with dropping them out because they st still have top tier talent on their team, but they are a mess. Let's make no mistake about it. And you could argue with me, put somebody else in here. Uh, that's, I, that's completely fine. Like basically teams have found weaknesses along with Kansas just making too many mistakes. Um, this isn't the first time we've seen a Kansas team do this, though, which is why I'm still keeping them right here at 10. But for me, they're hanging on by a thread in this ranking. I, I, I'd like to see them finish out their season strong. I'd like to see them represent better in their conference tournament. Um, if they don't finish, finish the season out strong, I probably won't have them back in the top 10. But number 10, Kansas. Number nine, Auburn. New to the top 10 due to beating Alabama, which was a team that I was – starting to move up the board a lot, was really liking a lot. Um, and they may knock Alabama out depending on what happens going forward. They're another tough team and have good wins against top opponents, uh, but they kind of have a consistency issue. So the, their big thing going forward is can they stay consistent? And, uh, you know, good coaching as well there too. They've, they've grown a lot this year and are showing it. And now number eight, you can guess, I have Alabama. I still like this team. Despite two losses against ranked teams, I think they're a tough team. I think they've been playing well. I think they've um, played a hard schedule thus far. They have a lot going for them still, and they have a couple games coming up to prove it. So I don't know if it's just one of those things where some teams have caught up to them a little bit and kind of had their number just slightly. I don't know if it's kind of exhaustion from playing a lot of tough teams. But, again, I still like the fact that they do. I still like the fact that they're grinding in these games. Uh, so I'm going to leave them at number eight for now, and uh, we could see them get knocked out depending on what happens with teams like Auburn and a couple other teams that won't be in these rankings. Now, at number seven, I've got Tennessee. And Tennessee's just uh, – Tennessee is just a problem for me. 
I feel like they've got talent. I feel like they got some top tier talent. I'm not as convinced about their bench, but they're doing pretty well overall. And, you know, they got a big guy. They got some uh, some good guard play. Uh, this is kind of a wait and see as they got some bigger teams coming up. I think Ab Oliver or Alabama is one of those. Um, they need to win against. And if they can continue to do that, then they're ones that I could move up. Um, I just, I don't know. I want to see them against better teams. I feel like they've been playing a lot of the weaker SEC. I'm, I'm just not convinced yet. I, I think potential's there, but I got to see them. I got to see them take on some, some big meat, so to speak. I got to see them take on some big guys here and it's going to be coming in their own conference. So we'll see what happens. Now, number six, this next team here is really bothering me. <laughs> I, there's a part of me that almost wants to knock them the heck out of my rankings, but there's another part that I feel like they're almost better than where I have them at too, but you just cannot peg them. And that's UNC, University of North Carolina. They're just not playing up to par. I mean, there's almost no better way to put it. They're they're one of the top tier talented teams, and it's like, what are you guys doing? Like, I don't know if it's chemistry with themselves, chemistry with the coach, chemistry with what they're trying to do. It just something's just off. And it shouldn't be. They should they should have been dominating everybody this year. And they just they're just lagging. Um and they but they still have more talent than most teams. Uh but they just they just haven't put it all together. That's the best way to put it. And it could be that they're just lagging toward what really matters to them, which is March Madness. So it wouldn't shock me if they start rolling people in March Madness. I mean, it could be that some of their players are just like, let's get let's get to this point already. Um, which, you know, as a coach, that's frustrating because the mistakes you're making now are going to come back to haunt you if you don't get past those things. So I don't know. But they could be a lot better and they could end up falling all the way to 10, uh, depending on how they do next coming up. And by contrast, at number five, I have somebody like Marquette, which, you know, I don't feel like Marquette's necessarily played as tough a schedule maybe as UNC, but they're, I'm putting them right alongside uh, who the number four is too, which we'll get to in a minute. But this this team, they've only they've only lost to UConn out of their last 12 games. So they won 11 games, 12 games. And you can sit here and argue about like how good those teams are. Again, this is a conference that, I'm not really big on, but when you have winning streaks, you know, that's part of it is not losing to bad teams, right? Not losing to mediocre teams, not losing to good teams that can beat you, that probably shouldn't beat you, so forth and so on. And that's Marquette. They, they keep winning, and in a lot of those wins, they look good. They get to a big team, a big boy team, and like UConn, and they don't do so well. So it, it's struggling, you know, it's struggling with like, how exactly good are they against top-tier talent? But they dominate a lot of their other games, like I said. And when they get rolling, they look good. But something just seems a bit lacking to me. Number four, we have UConn. UConn, right alongside Marquette. And this is, again, because, you know, Marquette lost to UConn. But at the same time, it's like UConn's got to keep holding this up. they got to keep holding this up, in my opinion. And that Creighton loss, to me, really hurts them because I – as I said in my last one, I'm not convinced on them, and I needed to see them win that game. I wanted them to see them make a strong showing that and, and say, hey, look, here's a ranked Creighton in our own division, in our own conference, who we're just we're just going to dominate because we're a lot better than that. And they did, and they lost. And so they got knocked down. But I, 
I can't move them too far down, even though, again, Marquette and UConn, I'm not believing a whole lot in this conference. They also have won 15 of their last 16 games. So that consistency, you know, they're not losing to bad teams. They're not losing to mediocre teams. They're beating teams solidly. And again, until they get to somebody that's a tougher opponent and then they lose. So, you know, it's, it's, it's struggling, but you, know, when you have that consistency, that's something that you got to have in the tournament too. You, you just got to do it against big teams. So it is concerning when you, when teams like this do lose to a big team. Number three, I have Iowa state. Now this was a tough choice as I'm not quite sold on them as well. Uh, however, their losses come against other ranked teams and not upset losses. They also have wins against ranked teams. One of those being Houston, who we'll get to here soon. Uh, they deserve to be here right now. That could change. They could be one of these teams that caught fire and then start losing to people within their conference. But I mean, Iowa State to me is kind of earning it. They've, you know, they're playing a real tough schedule against a lot of ranked teams. The teams they're losing to are ranked. And then you go out and beat somebody like a Houston who, you know, the AP and whatever have named number one. And I think they're number one in a coach's poll too. So that's a big deal. Um, you know, to me, and it shows that they can get in a tournament and beat anybody. Number two, I've got Purdue. And let me make this clear. While I'm not a big fan of who they beat lately, they have won 11 of their last 12. And their one loss in that time was to Ohio State after Ohio State fired their coach. And I think that was one of those kind of trap games where I, you know, Purdue, I don't believe took them real seriously. And the team was fired up to you know, do well under the assistant and so forth and so on. And Purdue just dropped that one. Uh, I still think Purdue is one of the most solidly built teams. They have shown it all season. Again, you could sit here and argue against who they played. The Big Ten is just not quite as tough as it used to be. Uh, but it's also a conference that has a lot of experience in big games, a lot of experience being in a tournament. So I still keep Purdue high up there. Um, if you kind of take aside the one Ohio State loss, then, you know, they've they've been one of the most consistent, solid teams all year. And I'm going to keep them up there until I see something else. Number one, I'm going to agree with the AP. I'm going to agree with the coaches, poll. Houston. It does make me a little nervous. I still think Houston is kind of weak on offense, but they've been putting that together. Uh, and since we last talked about Houston, they, they beat Iowa State, which is my number three. They beat Baylor, who fell out, but Baylor's also one of these teams that plays a tough schedule, and they, they beat ranked opponents. They beat Texas. They beat Cincinnati twice, and while Cincinnati isn't very good, Houston beat two ranked opponents and is dominating their conference. And they're, So they're not just winning against the conference. They're dominating the conference wins, uh, and they are looking better on offense, at least more, more consistent, and they kind of have a plan of what they're doing, a plan of their attack. And if Houston can... They don't have to play elite, solid offense. They just need to play good, consistent offense that gets the job done. And when Houston starts doing that, yes, they're going to look like the number one team. Uh, so that's that's our number one is Houston. And we'll try to get to this again before March Madness kicks up. Uh, so we'll probably be talking a lot more college basketball as we get into March here. Uh, we'll revisit probably the NBA coming up as well. So a lot of March, I think, will be that might throw in some hockey uh, there touch base on that as well too 
But there you have it. That is the top 10 before the conference tournaments. I hope you enjoyed it. You can also enjoy, if you haven't already, just for its other episodes by getting the podcast through Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Radio Public, RedCircle.com. Also, if you would like to leave a comment, please visit our Facebook page, Just Sports with John. We appreciate you listening. Now go out and be the best sport you can be.